<sighs> you alright? Oh, I'm bummed. What? I'm sad. Oh, okay. Why is that? No one's listening to our podcast. Oh. No one likes our singing. What? I just feel really uh, down in the dumps. You need to pick yourself up. Look in the mirror. Tell me what you see. Okay. I see a, a big beardy failure. You see a big beardy failure. Well, you want to know what I see? I see pride. I see power. I see a badass podcast host who don't take no crap off nobody. You really see all that? Yeah, man. But it's not about what I see. It's about what you see. Now look in this mirror and tell me again what you see. I see. Pride. Power. Pride. I see power. A badass podcast host who won't take no crap off nobody. A badass podcast host who won't take no crap off nobody. Exactly. Now run our damn tune. Yes, sing it. Different songs to cater your mood. A certain film for how you're feeling. What TV shows to suit your attitude. Situation change. What you find appealing. So we got together and made a podcast. Making a list of different things. And it's called. Welcome to another episode of A Playlist of Everything. A Playlist of Everything. Yes. Hi, Wilkes. How are you today? Yeah, I'm all good. Um, Our intro there. Glad I didn't go for the um, Jamaican accent. Could have been problematic. 100% the right decision to make. <laughs> yes. And if you couldn't have guessed, the reason why we did that intro was to set up our theme, which is... Comebacks. Yes. Of course, Cool Runnings had a great comeback, didn't they? Well, kind of. They still lost, but they won people's hearts. <laughs> yes, it's a classic uh, movie of an underdog who came from uh, bad odds and still lost, but <laughs> it's, just, it's an odd movie, but it's a good movie. But it doesn't fit yeah. in this oh. uh, today's episode podcast. Yeah, so, so it actually was a bad intro choice. But, <laughs> okay, so how did you find this week's theme? Oh, I found it tricky. Um, I found it, it it's one that required a bit more um, research. And if you've listened to previous, we don't worry about that kind of stuff usually. And to try and find something that was worth, I wanted to talk about to find a good comeback. There's, there's a lot of people and that get spoken about when this word gets thrown about. And it's, it's, it's to pick through those and find the little nuggets of interest is what I've been... Um, toying with this week what about yourself um yeah it's a bit of a tricky one this one i try to avoid um people that have been a bit naughty and basically came back because people forgot what they originally did that's been a that's been a difficult thing to try and weave your way through on this one um yeah and i also i think with um, some of my choices it's just down to age and what sort of roles were available to them and just longevity about how long they've actually been so they can't always be top of their game Decade after decade. Yeah. I, I, I like your thinking there. Wilkes, I'm going to warn you. I oh feel I have been 
I'll use my old favourite word on this podcast, creative with some of my decisions. So I Which usually just, means wrong. Which I will put you a heads up. I have been fast and loose with comeback and comebacks and some of my decisions don't always make sense, but I will talk you through them and I'm sure you'll see my way of thinking like you always do. Okay, so what's your first one then? Now you've done your caveats. Oh, my caveat. My first comeback I would like to talk about, and I think it's interesting, and I think it's for good reasons, is very timely Rick Moranis. It's hard to believe that Mint Mobile has gone so long without an unlimited plan. So to introduce it, we brought in an actor we've all gone too long without, Rick Moranis. So what do you want me to do? You want me to say something about Mint? Uh, no, that would have been smart, but uh, no, it's $30, it's unlimited, it'll do just fine. Sounds good. I really gotta get a phone. So why am I here? I'm just... Okay. Has he come back? Ah, well, that's why I say it's timely. He, it's almost before his comeback, but let, 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 let me explain, let me explain. Please do. For those who don't know, he's a big comic actor of the 80s. Uh, you'll know him from Ghostbusters, one of my favourite films of all time. You'll know him from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Um, and you'll know him from like things like Little Shop of Horrors, Spaceballs and the Flintstones. Now, uh, Rick Moranis took a long break from acting when, unfortunately, his wife died. And he decided, as a single parent, his, the best thing he can do was to quit acting and look after his children and raise his kids. And it was only gonna be a short break. He, he says in a quote that I've got up here that he never intended to retire from acting. It was just gonna be a short break that turned into a long break, that turned even longer. And it's now allowed him to be very selective with roles that, come, that have come forward. Now you say, has he come back yet? Yes, he, this year he signed on, or he announced that he's gonna re reprise his role in the new Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie called Shrunk that's coming up. So that hasn't even come yet. And that's after a 23 year hiatus. But he did appear in 2018 in an episode of The Goldbergs. So I count that as him coming back. So, and he's also been in a commercial uh, this year with Ryan Reynolds, who gets a mention almost every episode, it seems. Um, but yes, the reason I picked him over many others, I feel like he left for a really good reason. But he hasn't come back yet. It is a, it's not exactly a phoenix from the flames, is it? <laughs> if this was a list, well, I could go... Could be. I could have put, oh, I really hope... I'm looking forward to Michael Barrymore's comeback. <laughs> well, would you? But the thing is, he has actually come back. He, he's announced his comeback this year. So yeah, he hasn't quite come back yet, but he is back and everyone knows he's back. He's back because he's made this big announcement yeah. and I couldn't be more happy. But the problem is, though, <laughs> is people that actually have come back and then they're judged by that comeback, which is why this is the best comebacks where you're you're predicting a good comeback. I'm I'm judging him as a good comeback because he's been sorely missed and he didn't leave because we were supposed to forget something bad he'd done. He left. He now gloriously returns and yes yeah it's, it's well I, hey, I, I creative like, no wrong i like no. Mar rick moranis 
but I need to judge him after he's come back. I'm not judging him by an episode of The Goldbergs. His comeback has begun. His comeback has begun. (laughs) He's in an advert and an episode of The Goldbergs. Yeah, it isn't even a great advert. It's a bad advert. If that's his only comeback, he's failed. 2020, the comeback of Rick Moranis starts now. Okay, well, I've got a real answer. <laughs> um, you're probably gonna. Well, I, I like to see yeah. you try and disagree with this answer, but you're you might hate come my back. second answer. What you've got Brilliant. a more ridiculous answer than that? Absolutely. Let's go. I want to hear your first one though. Okay, my first one is Michael Caine. Right, we can begin. My name is Alfie. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Don't forget your gloves. What a way to make a living. If you see. What I mean, it was just a bloody thing. You ought to remember you're still in the army, boy. I'll tell you what, you remember first. The only thing I can teach you is what I know. In any life, you have to be of use. I've sewn you up, I've set your bones, but I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family. So, he was big in the 60s, Zulu 64, Italian job 69, 70s, he's doing all right. Get Carter, Sleuth, 72. Man Who Would Be King, 75. Bridge Too Far, 77. And then he's popping up. Educating Rita, 83. Hannah and Sisters, 86. Which he got nominated. And then there's a little bit of a stutter. And he isn't in anything, any lead roles, until Muppets Christmas Carol, which in itself isn't really a comeback. You know, that sort of era between 86 and then he does a little voice in 98, which is fine. The Cider House Rules good in 99, but then is when he really does come back and the noughties, basically Christopher Nolan saves him. He does The Dark Knight and he also did Austin Powers in 02. And then he's basically in most Nolan films, Prestige, Inception, Intercept. And that was probably the height of his career. But there's definitely a bit where Michael Caine wasn't very relevant. Yes, yes, I, I will say that. Um, what did he say? Between 86 and 92, there were a few things that Jaws of Revenge. Everyone remembers him in that. <laughs> Known as the worst sequel ever. So this was part of his downfall, which is what he's come back from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is good. I like that. Um, but yes, okay, there is a significant dip in the quality of his output from the mid to late, well, the mid to late 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he got old and then became this um, elderly statesman-like figure that can appear in everything and make the movie better. Yeah, I think there's a few um, actors that have had this sort of career path where they do just suddenly come to a stumbling block where I think it's just a case that there's just not roles um, created for them. And this is a big thing in Hollywood and in the film industry generally is that you sort of, there's lots of films for 20 year olds, but when you start getting into your 30s, late 30s, 40s and 50s. Yeah, I think it's the 40s cut off that is a real um, black hole in, in starring roles for actors in their 40s. And then, yeah, then it, drip, then it drops until you're um, in your late 50s, early 60s and you've got the, uh, the deeper voice or whatever and you can give someone a bit of... Uh, is that Michael Caine? No, that's me. Oh, if I when I'm in my fifties. Oh, I thought we were going to yeah, turn I mean... this into the trip and be like, Shit, no, I'm no, sixteen. You know I can't really do impressions very well. So, <laughs> do you want to know a fun it's... fact about Michael Caine? It's not his real name. Well, that's fun, yes. But I was going to say Michael <laughs> Caine, alongside Laurence Olivier, Paul Newman, and Jack Nicholson, 
is one of only four male actors to be nominated for an Academy Award for acting in five decades. Wow. That is an impressive uh, little uh, group of people to to be associated with. My, my question about Michael Caine, this is slightly a diversion, is when did he become a good actor? Um, is is that just age? Or do you think he was always a good actor? Because there, there have been question marks on his acting ability, particularly when he was younger, that, that kind of stilted delivery. Well, acting can go in different categories, and sometimes it's screen presence isn't it and some yes. actors sort of the tom cruise effect where you're not asking tom cruise to be a character yeah. he's being tom cruise in a film and maybe michael kane is the same i actually like him i think he's good i think he's exactly like you said he he plays what he plays and he plays that well yeah okay what's your next choice <laughs> My next choice is uh, a little-known actor called Peter Cushing. Huh? His real performance. I will tell him that his patience with your misadventures has been rewarded with a weapon that will bring a swift end to the rebellion. May the force be with us. Yes, Peter Cushing, because he had a 50s, 60s and early 70s career with the Hammer Horrors, with um, Sherlock Holmes. Then he started just a bit like Michael Caine, started doing bad uh, rip-offs of the Hammer series and Hammer Horrors and stuff like that towards the end. And then George Lucas hired him for Star Wars. Now, I pick him because he had probably the greatest comeback since Lazarus Raised from the Dead in 2016 movie Rogue One, where they literally resurrected him from the dead and put him in in a much discussed um, performance. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, you have overthought it again, haven't you? I have uh, gone... I've gone through a little little bit here and there but um, so basically the comeback after you've died peter cushing's comeback into cinema after he's been dead for um 20 odd years it's an answer oh. i've decided if it's a good answer yet but um <laughs> uh, it's interesting though because um you would think he would have to put in his will that he was open to the idea of being characters represented but if he's died 20 years ago he probably hasn't so his family have now Yes, it, the, his estate did give permission, and for use of his likeness. So that is that was one way of taking it. They did go through his family, and they said yes. Probably took a, a bit of money for it as well. I think it's now quite common for um, actors to put this into their contracts about can they use? Can they Absolutely. be created now? It is curious, and I I I, I think. I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a revolution in a way that some people fear. I think it's always going to just be relegated to the odd cameo when they want to get someone back who has passed or something into a movie that's got a following like Star Wars franchise. I can't see it even when it gets super good and you can, can't even tell because the problem with this Peter Cushion performance in Rogue One, it does have the air of un Uncanny Valley. It's probably the best they've ever done, human overlay and and reviving of a person but it still isn't 100 percent, so it's still a little bit jarring yeah um, i think the first i ever heard of this was um 
Gladiator with Oliver Reed where they said they did a, a yeah. few sort of yeah. back of the head shots and things like that just to finish off the film. Yes. Which kind of yes. sort of made sense it was halfway through filming. But now they do have the technology to just create a film with any character that's lived. Absolutely. James Dean and uh, River Phoenix are names that get thrown around a lot that they might use this technology for because they're two great actors who died way before they had a chance to do anything. And there's a lot of people out there who want to see, quote, quote, them do a performance, do a do a movie, and no, nah, that doesn't work, does it? It's like it also it's, it's too expensive to do it at the time. Yeah, but like you don't you want to see real people, you know, you don't want to see. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, I agree. Bringing a, an actor back from the dead to do something like this, I yeah, I don't think we ever really want to see. But hey, we're doing a comeback episode, and Peter Cushing technically has had two comebacks in his career. Okay, um, it's my little clever sure answer a good answer but i like that it started a conversation thank you very much it wasn't a compliment but okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking it as a compliment what is your second okay my second one is george miller's mad max or george miller oh. <laughs> in this wasteland i am the one who runs from both the living and the dead reduced to a single instinct. Survive. Interesting. Yeah. So this man has had such a weird career just across the genres. Mad Max debuted in 1979 and was very well received. Two years later, Mad Max 2 came out. Pretty well received. Twilight's mm-hmm, only mm-hmm. movie, 1983. He's doing okay here. Then at 85, he finished the Mad Max trilogy, which I don't think people like that one. I, I've got a soft spot for Beyond Thunderdome. Guilty pleasure? It's a little bit, actually, yeah. Ah. And then things just sort of go a little bit weird for um, George Miller, where he does, um, in 87, does The Witches of Eastwick, then Lorenzo was oil, and then oh, he does like Babe. Witches of Eastwick as well. He does Babe. Babe. How does he go from so his sort of Mad Max to Babe in '95, and he seems to like sequels because he does another Babe in '98. Yeah, Pig in a City. <laughs> yeah, oh. but he seems to sort of just do two films every decade. And then yeah. in the noughties, um, do you remember what his film was then, or his two film? I don't off the top of my head. Happy Feet. Ah, oh. <laughs> so he did Happy Feet and Happy Feet Two. And oh, he did course, the sequel as well. Yeah, he loves doing the sequel. And then, but wow. this is where his real comeback came back. Yeah. Was in 2015, he did Mad Max Fury Road. And this is just remarkable that somebody of his age can still do this to cinema. I had this on my list up until uh, very late on because I was going to do it almost exactly as you did it, but without focusing on George Miller, but just on Mad Max coming back. And then I was concerned whether it was a reboot or not, and thus didn't uh, qualify. But what, what you need to do is you need to put the George Miller spin on it, and it kind of works. <laughs> but no, I, I, I want to agree with you, partly, so with the Mad Maxing, because I do think it, rather than necessarily being a reboot, I think it is a distant sequel. It doesn't feel as packaged, doesn't feel in the same realm as lots of reboots that and it is phenomenal so that's my thing yeah. I, I, I can't take it back from that i think as well yeah. like people forget the ages of these directors like scorsese yeah. spielberg george Miller. you think these are like 
these are pensioners. These are seventy-five. Seventy-five. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and you're making like, so he's making Mad Max at seventy. Fast, so high-paced. There's so much bigger in it. Yeah, you couldn't imagine a seventy-year-old. And I, and the same thing with Scorsese with things like Wolf of Wall Street. You're like, this feels like it's written by a young person, but it it isn't. And that's just what remarkable because also filmmaking has changed in those day in those times, and they seem to have not only keep up but they seem to reinvent it again yeah absolutely okay what's your next one my next one is a more traditional choice and it's it's verging on uh, controversial but it, it's one that you would have seen and would have potentially thought about i would think um and i only pick him because he he makes a distinct decision and career change and then comes back to it so this is one, mickey Rourke. You really brought it. Thank you, thank you. You hang in there, you got a lot of ability. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you ever well, I was wondering if I could get some more work. All I got is weekends. Isn't that when you sit on other dudes' faces? Have you ever seen a one-legged dog? You have a beer with me? <laughs> one beer. If you've ever seen you have a daughter? Oh, my daughter, she don't like me very much. You should call her. And you seen me. What do you want from me? I'm an old broken down piece of meat, and I deserve to be all alone. Okay. Mickey okay, Raw yeah. was an 80s tough guy symbol, handsome leading man, and in 91, he quits acting to pursue a career in boxing. He had um, eight undefeated fights, um, six by knockout. So he, he wasn't a bad boxer. He's spoken about this openly and now by having a broken nose, broken toe, ribs, compressed cheekbone and split his tongue, all, while, all injuries he, he received in the boxing ring. They required plastic surgery. And then he said, in hindsight, he went to the wrong surgeon, the wrong guy. He, he left his face. And then, again, I quote, this is Mickey Rourke's words, a mess. And... That then led on to his comeback, which I think actually it helped him secure these two particularly the particular movies in in Sin City and two his 2008 best performance lifetime performance in The Wrestler. Yeah, I think this is a very good answer and one I did consider. And yeah, I can't argue with this one. If it was on Family Fortunes, it'd probably be the second answer, I reckon. But yeah, good answer. Thank you. Your final answer. Okay, my final answer. I said earlier that uh, Mickey Rook would be your number two on Family Fortunes. Um, that's only because I think this is just number one and the boring, correct answer. I've gone for Matthew McConaughey. Decimal point, high frequencies, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Fucking digits. All very acidic, above the shoulders, mustard shit. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. It kind of can wake some people out. Mm -hmm. Right? You got to feed the geese to keep the blood flowing. Mm -hmm. I keep the rhythm below the belt. Done. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance, split your differential, and tip the fuck over. Or worse yet, I've seen this happen implode no i don't want to implode sir no. no no you don't i'm in it for the long run you know yeah implosions are ugly yeah pop off to the bathroom work one out anytime you can and when you get really good at it you'll fucking be stroking it and you'll be thinking about money second key 
to success in this racket is this little baby right here. It's called cocaine. Right. It will keep you sharp between the ears. It'll also help your fingers dial faster. And guess what? That's good for me. Yes, sir. Revolutions. You follow? Revolutions. Keep the clients on the Ferris wheel. And it goes. The park is open 24-7-365. Every decade, every goddamn century. That's it. Name of the game. How kitty Hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the 90s, he um, came through in Dazed and Confused in 93, which is one of my favourite films. And then he had a few decent films. He was in um, A Time to Kill 96, I think is when people really noticed him. Then Contact, uh, Med TV, and then the noughties. This is where he went into Rom-Com City. Mm. And yeah, and this is where Wedding Planner, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Failure to Launch, that was his downfall. But then in around 2011, now a lot of people seem to mistake like what his big film was that got him back. Oh, interesting. Tell me. So, you know, people would say, oh, it's when he did Dallas Buyers Club in 2013 and then True Detective, the TV show in mm-hmm. 2014. But he was already on the, the way back. It's almost like he made a conscious decision to start doing rom-coms and to start doing yes. some serious stuff. So I think it sort of started 2011 with Killer Joe, which is okay, but Mm -hmm. he obviously is a completely different character in that. And then Mud in 2012. Yep. I actually quite like The Lincoln Lawyer, which was 2011 as well. Yeah, that's Um, another one. And obviously um, Wall Street as well. He has that iconic My 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 query with McConaughey is, now hear me out. I know what you're saying. I know you're saying it, it's it's you're you're talking quality, but I think for quantity, he never stopped working. So this is this is my thing about it being a comeback. Yeah, well, I I disagree. If you talk about a sporting comeback, it's mm-hmm. you know it's people are there, but they come back to the top. And Hollywood and film industry is based on this. Everyone can sort of hover around and be active, but to get, you know, we're talking about somebody who's gone from. Probably one of the top 20 actors. Then he went to sort of the top 30, 40. And now he's probably top five, top okay. 10. Okay, yeah, big jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the jump. It's the quality. So his comeback is more of a internalised thing. Okie dokie. Right. So um, I, I was just thinking, how have you not gone for Robert Downing Jr.? Ah, oh, well, for the same reason as Matthew McConaughey. Like... Even during his downtime, he was still making fairly decent, you know, 92, Chaplin, Natural Born Killers. Then there's US Marshals in 98, which is fine. Both. So he doesn't really have that break. You seem to be happy. As long as they're working and just keeping their head down and just 
doing stuff, then it's not a comeback. Where it's coming back to the success and the heights. I that know what you're saying. Way. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I thought you thought I would definitely pick Robert yeah, Downey Jr. So, so I tried to avoid him. So I tried to avoid him anyway. So you so. went for Rick Moranis, who hasn't made his comeback yet. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Cushion, who's dead. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who else did you consider on this list? Um, I think the, the other big two were Travolta and Michael Keaton. Um, I think the thing that stood out the most with making this list was the lack of females. Worried me to think that being a woman means you probably don't get a second chance. Yes, I, I looked into that. I, I was I was considering Catherine Bigelow because they, they people speak of speak about her as a I comeback her. with with um, Hurt Locker because um, there was. Um, Point Break. That's it. Thank you. Uh, there was Point Break, and then there was a big gap before Hurt Locker. And you, and you know, this is this is a, a female director who has had proven herself um, prior, and she just couldn't get the work or getting, couldn't get the work off the ground. And that's a very that's that's a, that's a bad side to Hollywood. The you know female directors at that time, even now, but it's getting better. Couldn't get off. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of women who who, who don't get these second chances that don't often get big. Don't get lauded for coming for comebacks. They often get judged as well, and the judgment stays on them. You know, if you if you think of like a Lindsay Lohan who has yeah. cleaned her up, cleaned up her act in recent years from what she was, not too dissimilar to Robert Downey Jr., and yet still gets often referred to as you know the child star terror away or whatever. You know, all these bad names. No, definitely. Although I do have somebody popping up in television, so we'll get onto that after this break. Hello! We're on the other side of that link and now we're looking at TV comeback. TV comebacks. Did your criteria change for television? Or are you oh, absolutely. the same logic? Oh, okay. This, this, this is even worse than my first round. At least you're admitting that it's worse. Uh, this is more interesting for me, and this there, there there are more creative choices here than you can shake a stick at. Um, uh, I'm expecting you not to like probably any of my choices, but hey. Okay, well, as I teased at the end of films, shall I tell you my first one? Please. I have gone for Winona Ryder. Don't you dare! At least I was here! Oh, come on, Joyce. Just look around at this place. Oh, your Christmas lights... The hell am I supposed to think? You're such a great mom. You're a mess. Maybe I am a mess. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm out of my mind. But God help me, I will keep these lights up until the day I die if I think there's a chance that Will's still out there. Now get out! Get out of my house! Yeah, okay. Yep. Like we were saying before, that it doesn't seem that women get a second chance once they do something bad. Um... Renaud Ryder in 2001. She get in trouble for her shoplifting. So she started off as a sort of child star and you sort of forget how big she was. Yeah. But she... you know, 88, she was doing Beetlejuice, Heathers Great. in the same year. Good. Edward Scissorhand in the 90s. Then you got Dracula, mm -hmm. Little Women. And then all the 90s, she's busy. Girl Interrupted, Alien Resurrection, being John Malkovich. And then... Yeah, 2001, she's doing Zoolander, but she's also getting in trouble with the police. And yep. then it's sort of, yeah, she's still working. Mr. Deeds is yeah. considered as a um, creative low point. For everyone involved there. And <laughs> um, 
I thought maybe I shouldn't put her in this list. I sort of assumed that Stranger Things was her big sort of comeback because she hadn't really been touched since then. But mm-hmm. she, was, she was in Black Swan in 2010. Yeah, and, uh, and when I was researching bits. her... Star Trek, her um, cameo effectively yeah, in Star that. Trek. But you, you've got you've got to say, I think for the for the for the most part, for the big comeback, the big announcement to the world, uh, Stranger Things, absolutely. And also being a based in the eighties, it sort of made sense to have sort of Renona Ryder in it. Someone who was big in the eighties, anyway. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, eating itself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my first choice. I like it. I like it. Good. What's your first one in television? My first one in television. My first choice, and you're going to love this, is completely a different kind of choice than yours. I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones. What? I, Eddard, the House Stark, Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North, sentence you to die. I saw what I saw. I saw in White Walkers. You understand why I did it? He was a deserter. The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Is it true he saw the White Walkers? The madman sees what he sees. I know. Now, here, I hear you cry. Game of Thrones, what? It was one of the biggest things on TV in the last 10 years, and how's all that? But. In terms of comeback, in terms of industry comeback, I want to talk about the original unaired pilot. Oh, God. And I think this is quite interesting. and has some interesting stuff about it. First filmed pilot um, was shown to HBO and the producers, after they'd filmed it, they've had a lot of time on it. And they quote, watching them watch that original pilot was one of the most painful experiences of my life, Weiss said. Um, Soon as it finished, Craig Manzin, who was uh, one of the chief juicers and chief men at HBO, came out and says, you guys have a massive problem. And he quoted in, he wrote down notes and his only note was a massive problem. This piece of shit pilot needs to be redone and they had to reshoot and rewrite 90 percent of that pilot now why i picked this as an interesting comeback is the fact that it was allowed to do it so benios and weiss had to go and reshoot 90 percent of the pilot recast a lot of people it was so bad this original pilot that they didn't even realize jamie and cersei were brother and sister the first time, and that major plot point from the first episode was not even. I don't, Game of I don't even know how you. How have you got here? This is comebacks, not, this not is second good. chances. This is what how television what, what is, is always made. What is a comeback made. if it's not a second chance? Come on, get over yourself. It's what a comeback is. And this is interesting. This is more than just a, a single person who's had a lull in their career and come back. This is a show that's gone on to be one of the biggest shows of all time. I think it's a great story of a comeback. It's just another, it's just another pilot. They always remake other pilots. Yes, but it was significantly, so significant, I can, you can find hundreds of articles on this about yeah, how it's bad the biggest it was show ever. yes and thus what what a better comeback than something that started off so poorly and that would have been dropped by any other network not for me this answer 
I think it's a great answer. I don't answer. even, I I don't even know how you... I don't, well, it's interesting, but just not mm. on this theme. It's a comeback. It would have been a great story if we were doing a theme on um, pilots. That would have been some great background information. <laughs> yeah, but like, but there's another thing. You don't often see pilots. So it, because if you did a whole show on pilots, it would be like, oh. But on this, we're talking about comebacks and we're talking about something that was apparently so bad that became one of the greatest... Uh, cultural touch point of the 2010 but it was never it never aired like how you know what do we start doing we start finding an old script from ages ago and go look how good back to the future became once they decided to not call it the whatever the spaceman from well that's you know that's the sort of territory we're going into oh we're not going into i was just being interested i was i was taking it off a different tangent and not just talking about stars who went away and came back again. Delving into this idea of comebacks and it's not just the people, shows as well. Yeah, it would have been fine if you used a show that was around and then came back, but this hasn't had anything to come back from. I think because it's um, it's almost an anomaly in um, TV history for it to, for something like that to be that bad and then to be so well received. Well, I think it happens quite a lot in TV. They buy the rights and then they make something and then they're like, that's rubbish, but we've got the rights now. We need to make this work. And then they get a second chance. It's interesting. I'll give you that. What's your second choice, <laughs> Wilkes? Yeah, I'm not too happy with this one, but I'll go with it. I've gone for Arrested Development. Michael, Joe. Lindsay. George Michael. Lucille. Tobias Funke. George. Maybe. Buster. I really love you, Tobias. Oh, Lindsay. We've got to get you to that acting class. Hey, I just want my son to have a job where his incompetence won't be out of place. Well, that's not a great sign. <laughs> oh. So, Arrested Development was a great show. St started back in 2003, but it was always rocky as it was never quite getting the ratings. And um, I think season three um, is brilliant where it actually plays on that in the um, plot and they... The storyline is the Blue family don't want to get cancelled. So they're trying all these different ways of trying to get as many customers as they can. But then it did get cancelled. But that was until a little known streaming service called Netflix turned up in 2013. And season four, it's not as good as season awful. One, three. It's not awful. That's it's not. awful. The, f it's the first not. release of it was almost unwatchable this this is oh, where i disagree with you on this absolutely i couldn't even get through the un re-edited version of the remixed version of season four because it was so poor one of the worst comebacks in history at least it actually made it to television <laughs> what you're talking about is just a lot of people talking about how bad an old version of it was but well no, this it, was... it wasn't it wasn't terrible I think it was. it was a success season four. The original, it. its comeback was not a success. It was so much not a success that they, the, the creator, Mitch Hurwitz, recut season four and called it the remix, Fatal yeah, Consequences, which is good, because which it was. Is good as well. It's that's better. And to, it made me sign up to Netflix. And Netflix thought it was okay because they gave it another season five years later, which, <sighs> to be fair, that isn't as good, but. Season four is fine. I don't know. I think it's up there with uh, Only Fools and Horses and them losing their millions. Terrible yeah. comeback. That's seen as a good. That's seen as a good comeback. 
No, that's, that's why he's in the top back. ten list. I think you just don't know funny. I think I do, and I think I remember watching um, some Arrested Development season four, and us having that convers- this conversation, and you being like, because season four is almost I unwatchable. Like I've watched it a few times. Considered widely that it's so bad, it was like poorly reviewed. Well, it's it's pretty much Marmite, and I've gone for it being good. <laughs> And that's an opinion, and you can't argue with opinions. Oh, can't argue with opinions. Right, what's your next one, then? My next one is Futurama. Something is coming. Something is coming? What an oddly dramatic thing to say. Something is coming. It's a lot smaller than I thought. It's a lot bigger than I thought. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Futurama. It's and the, the significant thing with Futurama was it's come back after it got cancelled by Fox. Uh, season four, it got cancelled. Season five onwards, it actually had a, a real improvement in quality. So I've always quite liked Futurama. And I know that sounds like a real um, backhanded compliment with a quite liked, but... Futurama started weird because it came off the back of Simpsons, which was a phenomenon. I think people were expecting it to be Simpsons in the future. And while it was in the way it sort of looked, it also wasn't with its style of comedy was different for the most part. But it did get into a nice flow. Somewhere around season three, um, I think it, it, it starts to get good. You start getting into it. You start... I started personally, started going, oh, I actually quite like this. I actually think the jokes and... The stuff it calls back, the, the, it, it, it's, it has a meta thing on it that it was a little bit different to The Simpsons. Problem is, Fox and Sky over here and whoever's playing it don't really know where to put it. So it gets moved around a lot. It sometimes sits before um, The Simpsons, sometimes goes after The Simpsons. It's series length fluctuates from 13 to 22 to 19 to 18 to you know no one really they don't really know how many episodes they want in each season but then it gets picked up again and its actual revival is is really good they have some really interesting jokes they have a nice plot line for uh fry and leela um yeah i just think from its revival it, it hits a real nice golden age a sweet spot and then, and then it came to its end in 2013. I haven't watched that many of them, but I do remember that the quality definitely went up. It reminds me of Hot Fuzz in a way that I really liked Shaun of the Dead. When that first came out, Shaun of the Dead was amazing. We watched it and watched it and watched it and watched it a lot. The Simpsons in this um, analogy. Then... Hot Fuzz came out. You watch the first time you watch it, you think that's fine. It's probably not as good as the one I already know and like and can quote constantly, but it does all right. And then you watch it again, and then it's on TV. Then you watch it again. Then you dip in. And now I would say I prefer Hot Fuzz to Shaun of the Dead in the same way I'd now say I prefer Futurama to Simpsons. Good. Okay, I accept that answer. I like it. It's a good cool. answer. So my third and final choice. Is called 
the comeback. This is my comeback. Is this a cute sitcom? Does it have a shot? Oh, it's a wonderful script. It's four sexy singles living in a condo. Are you in the uh, wet t-shirt contest scene, Ben? No, we're your roommates. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no one was buying you living with these kids. So now it's two young girls and two young guys, and you're the aunt. All right, so now I'm the aunt. Aunt Sassy. Tom said a hip, sexy aunt. The script says running suit. Unless I'm running to an old age home, this ain't it, you know? <laughs> reality TV is the reality of TV. <laughs> Yesterday, I heard they might fire someone. That's pilot loop for you. Well, I got it. Could you do it again? Well, I got it. Just one more. Well, I got it! Have you heard of this program? Mm, oh, vaguely. T tell me about it. Go on. Okay, this is a, a very funny program. It starred um, Lisa Kudrow as a sitcom actress, Valerie. It came out in 2005. And um, I've actually re-watched this series recently um, when Sky Comedy launched. And it's brilliant. I think it just got lost amongst all these programs that sort of had people playing it themselves, sort of documentary style. Probably the cringiest thing I've seen where sometimes it's not even played for laughs. It's sad, you know, it's, oh. it's where she just, it's about an actress who's trying to make a comeback. And she's sort of going through what we were discussing earlier about an actress who's slightly over the hill in Hollywood terms, trying to become relevant. Yes. And what also makes this a great answer is that in 2014, it got a second series, so it actually got cancelled and had a comeback itself. Ah, oh, okay. It's, it's almost like a depressing watch. It's, um, I think it shares a lot with, like, Birdman. Okay. And, sort of, and that, yeah, it's got that sort of feel to it. Yeah, I haven't watched it enough to be able to criticise it much like Arrested Development on its quality, on its comeback, but it sounds like a good answer, so... It's one I would definitely tell people to seek out and watch because um, it got overlooked at the time. Maybe it it's does. a bit too. Maybe it's a bit too on. The it's quite on the nose, but. And haters are going to think I just googled come back into Google. <laughs> but I, I honestly did watch this the other day, and I thought, can I just put this in there? I thought, yeah, it fits. It's good. Okay. Any other honourable mentions? Well, I haven't finished my. Uh picks yet so here's oh, I here's, can't be here's... <laughs> yeah go on sorry you won't like this one either because this one doesn't fit the um pattern either you do you do understand the idea of a theme for each show um not not this one no um <laughs> so i've gone for a different kind of comeback i've gone for someone who perhaps didn't go away from the spotlight but who had to come back from quite a unfortunate disease and this is uh, Sarah Hayland of Modern Family fame. Were you drinking? Mom, do we really have to do this? You ask if I was drinking, I say no, and we both know that that's not true. I mean, aren't we past this point in our relationship? No, young lady, we are not. Then I wasn't drinking. I ran from the police, and even though it was an accident, I injured an officer. I'm very, very sorry. Oh, yes. So she uh, was diagnosed with kidney dysplasia in... Uh, 2012 and a few years after that her kidney failed and she had a kidney transplant um, which then got rejected um, so between 2012 and 2017 she had two kidney transplants this is while she was making um, Modern Family while she was um, then started to branch out, 2013, she was in Scary Movie 5, something you're, you should know about, seeing as yeah. it's one of your guilty pleasures. And she's continued, albeit slowly, for someone who 
you could argue should have been the breakout star of Modern Family. She's funny, she's attractive, and she was young. She was being held back by the fact that she had this kidney dysplasia, this kidney failure. So I thought, as I was looking through different people who's, who's retired, come back, who's come back from ill and stuff like that, I just found her story um, quite interesting. The fact that she's come back from some major surgery and yet kept it up and kept going. And, you know, she is uh, in movies uh, coming out. Uh, one this year, the wedding year. She was in See You in Valhalla. She's still doing TV shows. So she was in the remake uh, of Ver or the reboot of Veronica Mars. And yet she's had to come back from um, quite a serious illness and qu some quite serious surgery. So I just thought she, it sounds quite interesting. Again, very, very interesting. And if the theme was actors and actresses who kept doing their job, even though they had illnesses... I would have probably said that would be the perfect answer. But there's never going to be that uh, topic. And I think there are different types of comeback. So is she think... um, completely healthy now? Well, she's, yeah, she's on her second kidney. Um, she has to take her anti-rejection medicines and steroids and whatever. That's probably going to be her life. So you're saying she's come back to health? Yes. <laughs> How did you get there? Well, you'll see from my, uh, when we move on to the next section, how I got there. I think you go f so far down rabbit holes that not even rabbits go as deep as you do. Hey, I, I like to try and bring things new, things interesting, things people might not think of when they come to this podcast. You've definitely done that. <laughs> Who nearly uh, made your list for TV and come back? Um, one that kept playing on my mind, but um, you probably would say this was the same as Arrested Development. Was it a successful comeback? Um, Cold Feet, I think it it did okay, but it's run a few more series. They need to have another break, which I think they are. They're running out of ideas. <laughs> you... But I think the initial series was okay. I'm surprised you didn't go for Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was on my list, but it just it just felt, I don't know, it felt too easy. I spoke We spoke about Doctor Who on a previous episode. I think as well, and I think we'll find this with music, is sometimes if a comeback is so successful, you forget that it was a comeback. Yes, absolutely. If it, I mean, Doctor Who almost feels like it never went away. It's just been yeah. ever present on our screens now again. But, you know, there was a big chunk of time where it wasn't. Okay, well, I look forward to see what you bring to music. Music. Yes, and now to the final part of our theme of comebacks. What have you done with your criteria here? Have you gone crazy again? This is, I feel this is probably my strongest category so far. Um, there, are some, there are some weird stuff. I don't expect you to have picked anyone I've picked on this. So, I, yes, that's where I am. Okay. What, okay. Where are you on yours? What, what was your I've thoughts? I've gone very standard. Not the cleverest, just solid. Yeah, so go on then. What have you gone for? I have gone for Rick Allen. Rick Allen? Who's that?
the English drummer for Def Leppard. Oh, so, okay. Def Leppard um, are, are, are an English rock band just on their sort of cusp of their breakthrough. Rick Allen, their drummer, was in a car crash and he lost his left arm in said crash. They tried to reattach his arm, but it didn't take. So he was armless. And then he, he committed to the band, to the role of being Def Leppard's drummer. In two years, 1986, he rejoined Def Leppard and on their Monsters of Rock festival with an emotionally charged ovation at the end. And then they went on to re release Hysteria in 1987, which is and was their biggest album. And they had their first top 10 UK hit. So Rick Allen. Yeah, I think that works. Though. That works to yeah. make a film out of him. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating. I was born in 86, so I've always known Def Leppard to have the one-armed drummer, but knowing the story, knowing he was with them, knowing that it was actually a really short turnaround from him losing his arm to him committing to relearn to play the drums with one arm, to getting back in the band, and then thus their fourth album, Hysteria, being one of their biggest albums that really set them off. I think it's... Um, I think it's a really cool story. And as you said, it probably should be a movie. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that answer. And it's a lot better than um, what Stereophonics did to Stuart Cable, their um, drummer. In his words, they said that they got they sacked him because he had a boil on his ass and he couldn't sit down, so he couldn't go on tour. So they just replaced him and carried on. Yeah, that's, that's not a good uh, <laughs> way of... Um... I don't think they'll make a film out of that. Yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, good answer. I can't I don't can't argue with that. Good, good. Okay, <laughs> what's your first pick? Okay, my first one is one that I thought you would go for. I've gone for Green Day. Don't wanna be an American idiot. Don't want a nation under the new media. Okay. Have you gone for Green Day? I haven't gone for Green Day because I, I don't know if the, it was a comeback. I think it's just they they had what they had. They built up a base and then they went stratospheric kind of thing. I, I, I think it's just amazing what they did of, you know, when you have your compilation greatest hits, that's normally looking back and going, you know, that's it. You're not going to get better than that. And um, Green Day had their international super hits in 2001. And then they had their biggest hit of their own time in 2004 with um, their sort of rock opera, American Idiot. American Idiot. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it just sort of transformed them into basically very mainstream and they became the main punk band, didn't they? Because mm. they're always around in the 90s and had a few hits, Good Riddance, Brain that's, True. That's my, that's my question. So they had their four, five, if you include the early one, but their four main um, al albums that people talk about, um, Dookie, Nimrod, but they had those albums and they had a trajectory of, of any band that puts out. Yes, they did a super hit of that before they slightly changed, but my thought was rather than a comeback of them doing a super hits as a retirement it was kind of they were ending that early stages that that early stage of punk and moving into 
more mainstream, but not necessarily any worse, better um, style of music. And I just wonder if it's just it's, it's just a cur it's a growing curve rather than a stop and a start again kind of thing for comebacks. That was my reason why I didn't choose them for this. Interesting take on that. Yeah, possibly. I hear what you're saying. But yeah, I put them in there because I always used to think Greatest Hits albums came at the end. <laughs> That's putting your line in the sand. Okay, what's your next one? My next choice is a little-known artist called Shania Twain. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist. That don't impress me much. So you got the brains, but have you got the touch? Now don't get me wrong, yeah, I think you're all right. But that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night. That don't impress me much. <laughs> So Shania Twain was one of the biggest uh, artists of the late 90s, early noughties. She has uh, one of the biggest selling albums of all times. But it's little known that she actually um, went away from music. Um, she actually sort of uh, retired. So she went through a uh, quite a nasty divorce. And more than that, she developed uh, or contracted, I guess, Lyme disease, which affected her vocal cords. Lyme disease oh is something God, that's uh, passed on by ticks, I believe. And it had, she had this uh, problem with her vocal cords. So her last, so 2002, Up, follow-up album from Come On Over, which was one of the largest, biggest selling albums of all time, 1997. Then we jump to 2017, when she next, she finally gets back into the studio and releases an album called Now. And that album went to number one in the US, Billboard charts, you know, all that stuff. But the interesting thing was that for for me, I found out, I didn't realize that she she was away from music for so long, had nothing out, because you just think Shania Twain, and they were still playing, you know, that don't impress me much on the radio. So you just had no idea, I had no idea that she was having this time away from it she can she had this lyme disease she had operation on her um vocal cords and in her new ist album 2017 she sounds markedly different from what she um used to um so i think why are all your answers about sick people hey it was something because you know that it was just something that i came across when I, I was looking at you know musicians who um, yeah, had comebacks I, don't, I don't quite buy her comeback like she's come back and she's released music but like it's not really a cultural reference point is it it's like, no no in she's, america she's maybe never, yeah she's probably never going to be hit the heights of coming over but i think she's probably moving into a Celine Dion or a Streisand kind of position where she probably can just release an album every couple of years I yeah, think she's... I think you just googled six celebrities. <laughs> um, no, hey, she was huge, and I, I didn't. She know was she, huge, she's... and she sort of. Now come she's back. sort of come back. Yeah, absolutely. There's my. But point. it feels like it's more of a market. It's a bit like, you know, Busted have come back, and they sold a lot of shows since they come back. But they yeah, they're come a good back, comeback. Comeback. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they haven't been sick, so I don't know if that <sighs> is in your criteria. Hey. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people go and come back for various reasons. I think someone who has had to go and come back because of stuff like that, I think that's good. Good on Shania Twain. Well done. 
Right, my next one is... I don't think you can argue with this one. I've gone for Take That. Boy band that became a man band. Yeah, you can't really argue with their comeback in 2006 with their single Patience, which went straight to number one. But I think the reason why they are the ultimate comeback is I think they've now had more hits after their comeback than before. Yeah, probably. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Take That fan. Um, I do like Robbie, but I, <laughs> I, I do, I struggle with Gary Barlow. Barlow's fine. Barlow's all right he's dull he, he's yeah so he's sort of part of the comeback he, he was a failed solo artist even though he had all the talent and the songwriting abilities but he managed to prove me and everyone else wrong when they came back now there's only three of them robbie pops in now and then jason orange just isn't interested um you you like the song shine don't you i do i do shine is uh, my favorite take that song what's your favorite pre-comeback song Oh well, uh, never forget. I guess never. Uh, it's got it's got the anthemic. That's an anthemic one, so yeah. that that works. Yeah. And what about you? I do like Back for Good, but um, ooh, probably a million love songs. Ooh. Maybe pray. Some uh, some early cuts there. Early cuts. Okay then, Martin. So my third and final choice in music is much more of a straight comeback. Um, what you might say is quite vanilla compared to my other two. It is Thank God for Juan Carlos Santana. actually in one I looked at. And the reason I chose to talk about him, a bit like we've spoken about in our pre some of our previous rounds on this one, there does seem to be quite a large gap in the music that he did. Santana, the band Santana, discography starts off really well, well back into the 60s. 1969, they released Santana, uh, which got to four in the US, uh, 26 in the UK, but you know, we, we were late to pick him up. You know, he's a guitar master in this Mexican, Latina kind of um, style. It's brilliant. Then he, their next two um, albums, Coalesce in Santana 3, Gets to number one, it's massive, it's two times platinum, it's huge, it's a, it's a real big album. And then through the 70s, they're still fairly popular, the 80s turn up, their releases don't dry up just yet, but you know, they start getting to 50s, they start getting to 95s when they release, till their lowest um, released album in 1992 got to only 102 in the 
charts. They, they'd were forgotten about. No one knew who Santana was at this point. And then they came back, and this is the good comeback, you know. Years later, 1999, they release Supernatural, which includes a song that has been mentioned on this podcast before, Smooth, which was one of my favorite songs um, of the night of 99 and still has a good spot in my heart. That went to number one. It also it is their first number one single, and it really really nice, reminds everyone who Carlos Santana and his band are. I just think that's, that's a traditional definition of a massive comeback. It is. It's, um, it's yeah, so sort of two decades away, really. But it's almost like there's a few people that fit into this sort of equation. They're almost like they have their second hit wonder. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like lightning strikes twice. Um, there's a few of them like that, I think. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes a good shout. Do you know why they got that comeback? I don't have the answer to this, but do you know like what spurred it on? A bit like, you know how like Nile Rodgers suddenly became really relevant again? Yeah. But that was because he was on a Daft Punk record and suddenly he rode that wave, didn't he? And I don't know if there's something similar with Santana because obviously you've got a lot of guest singers Guest singers, yes. I would say I think that is what sent uh, Supernatural, the album that really brought them back. Uh, guests included... Eric Clapton, Rob Thomas on the aforementioned Smooth, Eagle Eye Cherry, Lauren Hill, Dave Matthews, um, and CeeLo Green. I think that just got everyone, it was popular people of that moment, and suddenly you had this guitar Lothario, and I think it just hit a, hit a moment. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll accept Santana. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No problems there. What's your final pick, Wilkes? Okay, so the person I've gone for is somebody I don't even like. <laughs> which which is an interesting thing we can do on this podcast. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear. Yeah. Go on. I, I, I kind of weird that I've gone for this, but I've gone for Justin Bieber. What do you mean? Oh, oh when you nod your head, yes. But you want to say no. What do you But he has had a successful comeback. I think he, you know, he was a child star, suffered from being, you know, famous at 13. Because unless you're Donny Osmond, you can't carry that on for the rest of your career. Yeah. And then he got the sort of the wild, rebellious stage and he was pissing in buckets yeah. and everyone sort of turned on him. And you're thinking, oh, which way is he going to go now? He can't do the cheesy music. He's lost that sort of fan base. And then he came back in 2015 with a critically acclaimed album. See, now, here's my thing. And more than where I said about Green Day, whether they went away and came back or rebranded, this is something I would not have been able to tell you that Bieber went away to come back at all. And I think that's more my knowledge of Bieber himself. In my mind, he came around as a child star and he's been almost ever-present. So tell, talk me through his... No. No, I, I no, saw no, his no, no. fall, but they, they, Miley Cyrus and Britney and all that all have these meltdowns at some point. And I guess, but to, to me, Bieber just seemed like he had that and then still carried on going. So talk me through his comeback. No, he's Bieber. And yeah, it's a similar path to sort of Britney and people like that. But what she, he sort of 
changed his sound and came back with a more grown-up sound. And people, I think, at the time really wanted him to fail. And it's that sort of cliche where it was he let the music do the talking and people couldn't argue with it. Mm. I was going to say he could also count, and I, I, I would count as, as a bit of a guilty pleasure for some. Well, I, that's mm. what the change yeah. is, is that this comeback is not a guilty pleasure. So, like, if you want a film comparison, this is like Macaulay Culkin becoming Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, it's a good analogy, Will. It's a good analogy. I like it. <laughs> I almost said it's a bit like Leonardo DiCaprio, but I still think he had a bit more respect, even as a as sort a, of teen star. Yeah, 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 yeah. But th- this is sort of the transformation I think Beaver's gone. And yeah, I, I'm going to keep saying it. I don't like it. And I don't <laughs> you like don't him. Have to, you, you know, it's fine. He, yeah. he, he, he's all right. We're not here to judge. Interesting that you put him in your top three comebacks then and you don't like him, but you're talking about yeah, the comeback right. rather than the music. Mm, that's fine. So, gone for Justin of Bieber. Well, we made it through. What other honourable mentions, what other people did you uh, briefly look over and dismiss? So, David Bowie. Yes. He, he had ups and downs in the 80s he went he disappeared a bit but then came back with let let's dance he was the expert at just reinventing himself absolutely oh here's one that i thought you might go for and i didn't really think about it but meatloaf yeah i i considered uh meatloaf i considered a few of, of these bands again like with lot with, with with a gap and they come back they re-release uh batter health three i considered talking about, uh, about that absolutely it's second hit one i wasn't it, sure really? yeah i wasn't sure if i if i chose him what am i talking about him because i think he had a massive comeback or just because i like meatloaf um other people so people like um which I thought were very borderline, uh, but similar to, like you said, Green Day, but um, Eminem, he did break from uh, music for a while, and then he came back with Relapse 2009. And then you've got bands that have split up and then come back, but they don't necessarily release music. They just go on tour, mm-hmm. and you've got some disasters as well, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Okay, so I guess are we going to choose a winner for each yes, one? Yes, let's do it. Let's uh, round Okay. After the jingle. Okay, let's go through who wins this week. Okay, what films did we have? Or actors or actresses? I think I had Mad Max and George Miller, Michael Caine and Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Who did you have? I had Rick Moranis, the great comeback of 2020. I had Peter Cushion, who came back once and then came back from the grave. And then I had Mickey Rourke, who gave up acting to become a boxer and then came back to acting and won an Oscar. Well, Rick Moranis is out because he <laughs> hasn't come back yet. Um, you mark my words. He's got to be the best of this whole bunch next year. Yeah, we'll do that next year. <laughs> also, get rid of Peter Cushions because he's dead. Oh, I mean, that, and he came back what's a the better dead. comeback than that? <laughs> okay. It's fiddly. It's, it, it, Mickey Rook's good. Yeah, Mickey Rook. Well, I, do you know what? I think the intelligent choice here is George Miller and Mad Max because of how you described his filmography. He's 70 years old. He did Babe Big in a City, Happy Feet, and then did Mad Max Fury Road. And it was announced his casting for the follow-up prequel, Furiosa, this week. So it's quite relevant. Yay. Yeah. Okay, good. Television. <laughs> okay, I did Renona Ryder, Arrested Development, and The Comeback. And I did Futurama, the first pilot episode of Game of Thrones, and Sarah Hyland from Modern Family. Okay, so I'm not going to do the Arrested Development argument with you no, again, so that's, that's out. That's out. 
you haven't seen the comeback, so you. I haven't seen the comeback, so I can't. Um, the Game of Thrones pilot. <laughs> there's, I've never seen any footage of it, so that's, that's dull out. And rubbish. Yeah. So that's out. What are we left with? Sarah Highland's kidneys. <laughs> hey, the most traditional sense of a TV series being cancelled, being brought back, and getting better. Whatever we could have, Futurama there. It, it seems to fit okay, our criteria then. without being too controversial. Okay, Futurama then. <laughs> And now music. Oh. We've got Green Day versus Take That versus Justin Bieber versus... Def Leppard versus Shania Twain versus Santana. Well, I don't like Justin Bieber. Okay. Even though I chose him, so he's out. Okay. Yeah, Shania Twain wasn't strong Yeah, let, let's let's say it's... that because you, you might be right. Even her comeback album might is not as big and many people didn't even know. So, okay, let's, let's, let's park her. But we haven't heard Dan Rick Moranis' comeback album either yet, so... <laughs> Green Day, you kind of, you think it was just... I'm not sure it's necessarily a, a true comeback. I, it's, it's more of them just maturing in sound and going a slightly different direction. Def Leppard's one, one-armed drummer. One-armed drummer, that's, that's an amazing feat and they are well-known. Could be. Take that. Who... Take that. Who are well-known for their comeback. Probably more so than a lot of other things. And inspired the whole of every 90s band to come back. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Okay, Wilkes. Let's give it to Take That. I think Take That. (laughs) Yeah, I think Take take That. that. (laughs) So that is the end of the show, isn't it? That is the end of our show. If you want to get in touch, please do on all the social networks possible. On everyone we can and uh, we can be found on anchor.fm who host our podcast and everywhere else you can find podcast related content um, and if you've got any comebacks that we haven't mentioned or you think are better please tweet us at uh, playlist of yes. good Goodbye. all right play the song let's go different songs to cater your mood a certain film for how you're feeling what TV shows to suit your attitude? Situation change. What you find appealing? So we got together and made a podcast. We can list of different things. And it's called. A playlist for everything. A playlist for everything. A playlist for Play this for us, we're